welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where each and every episode we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doz, and today we are finally beginning our retrospective through the works of Jason Aaron. Now, this run on Thor began a few years back, and Jason Aaron was on this book for almost a decade in the 2010s. This is the story. These are the stories that are going to heavily influence July's Thor Love and Thunder film. So if you're a fan of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and shows, this is really a great place for you to start today because that movie is going to feature a character that we're actually going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the villain Gore the God Butcher. So to on today's episode, I brought along a few friends to help me talk through and break down the complex themes and storylines that Gore brings up and to really emphasize the, the impact that he had on Thor's mythos. So a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today, and we're going to have that conversation with my good friends, Curtis Spears and Brandon Blockstorff. They are the hosts of several awesome shows, uh, namely the Smart Foundation Wrestling Podcast and Throwing Dice are Curtis's show, so go check those out. And Brandon is on Apollo City Comics and Sutro Side Talk. So those are both, uh, they both have two shows that have their hands and their creative you know, ventures in several different things. So go check those out. But do that after you have listened to this discussion uh, that is related to the next Thor film. We're very excited for that on the show, and we wanted to prepare you to go see that film in July. So we're going to start our conversation right now about Gore the God Butcher. Ryan, I am more so hyped to talk about this because uh, I feel like Jason Aaron is one of those bonding characters kind of like how oh, yeah. donny cates was for us like jason yeah. aaron bonding is a different type of bonding um yeah. but dude thank you for having me for this extravaganza to kick it off you're more than welcome i mean both both of you guys like when when i had first reached out to you uh each for other topics i know curtis joined me for a throwback episode which was awesome we got to hear his whole vince coletta rant uh if you want to go back in the feed um and hear and hear curtis's rant about vince coletta and just what a great artist he is um oh. he would love <laughs> he would love for you to go check that out and uh brandon and and other brandon uh from apollo city comics they joined uh, me for the devourer king story and uh, that was, we hit it off so well in that show that it had to be three parts. That's, uh, that's how well uh, the, the epic Donny Cates story went. But today... I wish uh, I had like first dates that went that well. You know what I mean? Or just like, <laughs> how, where can we hang no, out with that girl that talks about uh, Donny Cates' door for three hours? And you're just like, damn, yeah, where did the time go? You might just her over and die. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, your favorite your favorite author is Donny Cates. I we we have this to get is, together now. This is done. This is <laughs> so today. We, as I've said, we are here to talk about the masterful work of one Jason Aaron, uh, who is a phenomenal, uh, mostly Marvel author. And to get into the the spirit of God of Thunder, I wanted to ask uh, both Brandon and Curtis their first experience either with Jason Aaron as a creator or maybe the first comic they, they read of his 
but I wanted to have them kind of set the stage. I'll give you my first experience of him as well, uh, but then we will jump into issue one of Thor God of Thunder and this God Butcher story. But uh, Brandon, why don't we start with you, man? So I think my first experience and exposure to Jason Aaron um, and it's one of those stories uh, that I don't know. I don't know if anyone, like a lot of people have really heard about it. Yeah. Damned. And that was one of his image comics books. And it, it, it's like, it was just so badass in terms of storytelling and art and everything. Like it just blew my mind. And I didn't really get into Jason Aaron. I own Punisher comics. I'm sure I might own his Punisher Max stuff because I have some yeah. of the Max stuff. I had X-Men Schism and that was another one I read, but it was kind of lost because that X-Men universe is so wild and out there. But I didn't even realize I was Jason Aaron until I read yeah. the biography right now. Um, same thing with his Doctor Strange. I collected the first few issues. I just recently read them and posted up a one minute review on the Apollo page. Yes, and you but, did. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah, it was, that story was dope. <laughs> I, was, I got to read more <laughs> of that. Um, but, you know, Thor was really my first actual kind of story I dove into. And I don't know how I how I got into it. Maybe I heard about gore and I wanted to read into it and Isad Rubik's art. You know, Thor artwork is what really makes it hard for me sometimes. Yeah. Um, some of it's, uh, I mean, just like a lot of comics, this isn't just like a Thor thing, but sometimes it's a little goofy, you know, like, and it's hard and also it's such a long history it's hard to find like a good like this is the pinnacle like this is the one i want to read but i'd heard so much about it um i read this first arc i think when i want to say neil gaiman's norse mythology book came out around the same time and i was playing god of war like dude it like the stars aligned and i just like really got into that and i i've i mean i have the collected editions i just got to read them all now but uh, Sea of Stars as well. It's another phenomenal book. Oh, read. man. Oh, beautiful. I did a review for it on a website called The Daily Fandom when it came out. Um, great book. I know volume two is now out. And I love his Conan stuff. His Conan work is. You're talking about the, the newest King Conan stuff, I assume? Uh, he did a, like a six issue run a few years ago. Oh, or 12 issues, yeah. 12 issues, 12, I want to say. 12 issues. Yeah, and that was that was just dope. Once Marvel acquired the rights back to Conan, um, I started picking that up, and I knew he did Thor, so I was like, his Conan's got to be fucking up there. Like, it's got to be <laughs> awesome, and it is. And I'm also reading King Conan right now, too. I know issue two uh, is coming in the mail right now. But Nice. Yeah, that's my little Jason Aaron exposure. Not, not, not a lot, but enough to be like, I know he's good. Yeah. So, Chris, what about you, man? What was that first, you know, introduction to to Jason's work? Uh, so, for me, Jason Aaron's someone I discovered in 2014. I was uh, a friend of mine told me about Southern Bastards, oh, and yeah. I started oh, reading nice. that. And that's just it's like part Walking Tall with a little bit of like Friday Night Lights built into it. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, the the story behind it's like a revenge story, and so I was like, this is really like it's grimy stuff the book itself is sweaty it's so like visceral <laughs> you know it's like texas chainsaw massacre style it's it it's it's really really good stuff and um i was like i want to i want to check out more of what this dude is doing and i saw that he was doing thor and i i saw that he was um doing it with isad ribic which you which you just mentioned and yeah. i knew him from uh the rick remender uncanny x-force run ah, which nice. i think is top tier stuff 
that might be like my favorite modern comic book from one of the big two. I love okay. that run. So I was just like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's pick this up. And I, I went back and I, I couldn't find the back issues for this run, but I found the, the first two collections of God Butcher and God Bomb at that time. And I was just like, this stuff is masterful. It's so good. It's so, a, it's yeah. a, it's a perfect stew. You've got Jason Aaron is a, is a great writer. Like it doesn't, he can do sci-fi. He can do, um, like I said, a, re- a revenge tale. He can do um, this sort of like Norse mythology. He can do anything. And when you mix that with this beautiful art of uh, Isad Ribic, which is, you know, every, every frame is a painting. Everything is, you know, his splash pages are gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's just so good. And, and then you, yeah. you, you take those, you take those moments where you have those big epic splash pages. And then you have those moments where it focuses in on just like a character's face and you can see so much fear or embarrassment or whatever. And, and you see that throughout this, this run specifically so many times, uh, especially with the younger version of Thor that we see. And it's just so gorgeous. It's not just the art, but the the feeling that you get between the writing and the art. It's it's a masterful run. I I mean, honestly, uh, Kurt, Kurt Kurt has got me got me all excited there. I'm like, oh wait, let's jump right into it because you're right. I mean, I'm sure we will talk about Isan Ribic's uh, contributions here because they're they're un- they're unavoidable and and really should be praised alongside with Jason's writing. My, my first introduction to Jason Aaron, I mean, I, I was getting, I was getting more diverse in my reading of comics uh, in, you know, 2012, 2014, uh, around in that era. So right as God of Thunder was getting off the, um, getting off the runway, but the first Jason Aaron, like involved thing I really got was avengers versus x-men mm, nice. which is oh nuts. he did that too huh well yeah, so I have... here's the thing about avx it was kind of a committee thing oh. so like you have brian michael bendis stories you have ed brubaker stories jonathan hickman matt fraction like and then jason did a few stories within that event so i i was honestly just looking for something fun to read and i was like avengers versus x-men okay that seems seems intriguing on the on the front and uh so i picked up uh some of those and he he wrote uh things within that event and i really enjoyed it and i was kind of growing into this love of thor because of the movies and because of of some scattershot comics i had gotten and then i latched on to god of thunder and i was like oh my gosh he i think i think he's my guy mm-hmm. and then in in more recent years you know i've I, i've appreciated sea of stars i actually just started sea of stars brandon oh nice. and uh, it was who boy um it's good i i have yet to read the goddamned and i feel like i've heard that if if, if, if i like god butcher that i will like goddamned so oh, yeah i hope that's correct um but just a little bit of a, of a bio uh, for those of you that maybe don't know who jason aaron is uh he came to marvel after winning a talent search uh competition and i've listened to interviews with him where he's like yep i wrote a wolverine story and um 
then it, it ended up in a in an issue of Wolverine as kind of a backup story. And I believe the story centers around uh, Wolverine uh, helping a woman like change a tire or something like that. Or she gets like, <laughs> stranded out in the middle of nowhere. So like not not like a hardcore, you know, tear someone open kind of Wolverine story. But he won that contest and started writing for Marvel and, you know, did his own creator own stuff later on. But early, early in his career at Marvel, he did characters like Wolverine. Um, I've yet to go back and read his run on Wolverine, uh, but I'm, I'm sure I would enjoy it. And then he did Punisher, he did some Ghost Rider stuff, and really kind of established himself as a as a solid writer who was putting out great stories. And then he gets Thor, God of Thunder going in 2012, I believe. I believe 2012 is when the run began so yeah late late in uh late in 2012 so when he joins this book he kind of wipes the narrative clean and he, he begins to weave this epic and that's one of the purposes of why we're going to do this whole retrospective is for you to see the contributions that are going to be in love and thunder is a lot of them were there from the beginning mm -hmm. and he wove this epic over years and years and years of writing the book um but guys what do you say we jump into issue one of thor god of thunder and we'll just share our thoughts issue by issue and uh like i said we'll be here as long as it takes well i'm with it let's go you know before we start i do want to say just because yeah. this is bragging rights and we were talking about the show um you know yeah. because god of uh thunder is so heavily based on this we have uh, gore the god butcher and everything in it with christian bale uh, these issues are so hard to find, um, especially you can't find them reasonably priced. You know, the first yeah. batch, I, I did not know this till we started talking today, but I, <laughs> I do have the first six issues. Like I have a set and I got it in 20, I want to say 17, 18 at Ace Comic-Con. I actually met Stan Lee at that Comic-Con too. That was a good Comic-Con. Now that I look back at it. Um, and uh, I got this set and I was looking at the price tag on it. I got the set for $8 and probably a little less because I bought other books. So I got a little discount. So you might even average like a buck a book. And insane. insane. I, I was just, I'm blown away by it right now. Still like I, sitting I here. Hate, I hate everything that you just said. I just want you to know that. <laughs> it is one of those things that like, I'm glad we're doing it because it made me pull out my books and because I have the completed co uh, collection. I wanted to read more. But holy yeah. crap i got a damn cool stuff but uh <laughs> yeah dude you know yeah. jumping into the book i gotta say right off the bat what makes jason epic about it is that he's talking about three eras of thor yeah. and when you're thinking about you know like what you're saying an epic a genuine like almost like odyssey like epic you know this is that book and also i think that's what makes this conan stuff so good because conan jumps around in time conan was never written in chronological order right. it was always yeah. just like midlife and then younger conan and then older conan and then king conan and he does the same concept but brings it to thor and that's where we go we start from the younger you know young and arrogant thor we go to a mid-age determined thor to an old broken king thor um that's just like trying to prove something to himself at a certain point which one was your favorite of the three. Ooh, that's a good question yeah Ooh. yeah i have got to say i am so just intrigued by king thor not only the aesthetic but like i know there's so much history behind it to be uncovered 
um, that's why he draws my attention because I want to know more of that lore at that point. That's that's really what pulls me towards him. Yeah. What about I, you? I really like the younger Thor. I think that the the idea of him being him not being worthy yet and wanting to be worthy and in his in his uh, the way he acts, he's got this hubris of like, why am I not worthy yet? Yes. I've I've slain this many frost giants, and it's like you can see why he's not worthy. And yeah. it's it's so fun to see that he he needs to grow up a little bit, but you know he he's equating maturity with you know worthiness, and that's yeah. just not where it's at. So wow. I really like that Thor. And I'll, I'll I'll round it out here because I really liked present day Thor. Really, <laughs> because, because he's he's a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is more. He, he's he's. We'll get into how how each of them relates to gore and how that stage is set in this issue but present day thor is i love when they do that the time jumping around because he calls younger thor a kid essentially and he he initially he thinks that king thor is is like odin but he's like no no no, i'm you i'm you but before you've done a lot of things and in the later issues of this uh first gore centric story he and King Thor have some just great interactions and it's mm-hmm. like, it, it makes, it makes some of the issues for me. And then I think we'll probably get to this, you know, in, in a little bit, but like, I love present day Thor because he's the one that gets to take that, that epic, um, that epic final, uh, final smash at Gore mm. with, uh, you know, oh, yeah. hammers and he That's takes in the Necro sword. Like it's just like, it's very cool. Spoiler um, warning. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, spoiler for the we'll thing you're there. about to listen to. Yeah. Uh, but we speaking of that, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna get going and uh, kind of get broad strokes here. So in the first issue, we are introduced to young Thor. He's he's hanging out with the Vikings in uh, in eight eight ninety three AD. Uh, I believe it's AD. Yeah. Um, and they discover a Native American, an, ind- an indigenous deity who washing up on the shores of Iceland. And uh, Thor, Thor communicates to the Vikings that he was a god. And so they're all ske- you know, speculating a little bit. And then uh, we go to Indigar, which is a planet um, that's basically used to tell a similar story that we're going to learn about gore in a little bit where um, they keep praying and nothing different is happening. Nothing different is happening. And in this, I'm sure we'll talk about this um, at length guys, but in this story, we actually see Thor operate like a God. Like he gets people pray to him. People look for deliverance from him. And I feel like that is one of the things about Jason Aaron's Thor that's very different. Yeah, you get to see more of the more of the not being like the god of thunder, like it's a superhero nickname, but we actually get to see him as a deity, mm-hmm. which is very very different. But you I just uh, well, that's that's a cool part. I really wanted to hit that point, like on the yeah, head. Yeah. You, uh, I'm so glad you brought it up. Uh, so much of this and some of his other works relate to religion. And Jason Aaron um, was raised Southern Baptist, but has since denounced religion. He's been atheist for a number of years. And that's kind of like in the writing perspective, I, you know, if you 
whenever like I write a villain or like the antagonist of a story, there has to be a little bit of truth in that person. There has to be part of you that you feel is absolutely right. And that's what drives this person too. And so when yeah. you look at Thor, the, the, you know, being a deity and being worshiped, and then you have Gore, the kind of atheist of, you know, this entire thing who doesn't believe in gods, who feels like God shouldn't be there kind of in that sense. Um, so, Sorry, I, I, I do want to I want to kind of interject in that. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about with Gore is people always say, oh, Gore, the atheist. No, Gore's not an atheist. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way that he could be. Uh, he starts out as an atheist. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He, he he does not believe in the gods until he sees gods. And once he sees gods, it's proven to him that he's he becomes I would call it an anti theist like atheism doesn't believe in gods gore mm -hmm. believes in gods mm -hmm. he wants exactly. to murder them yes. but like he believes in them he knows that they're there so it's 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 not that he's it's not that he's an atheist he's he's just a walking problem of evil you know he says they're they're not omnipotent if they if they don't help everybody yeah. or they can't help everybody and 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 therefore they're not you know, uh, they're, they're either not helping everybody or they can't help everybody. Yes, so exactly. That's, that's the, that, that is a problem of evil that a lot of atheists will, will bring up as an argument for people who are spiritual. And, you know, that's one of the oldest ones in the book, but that being personified by Gore is why, why I love him so much, why he's my favorite uh, Thor villain. And that's, that's exactly where I was going to lead to is that, you know, he, once he sees the God, that's when all of a sudden, like he does believe. So you have like kind of an atheist, Jason Aaron, who's kind of saying like, if I saw this, like, how would I react knowing that they were there the whole time? If, yeah. if, you know, I witnessed a God and it shows that they were real, would that change an atheist's mind? And where would, what path would that lead them down? And this is the darker path. And you just said, you said that so perfectly and executed that so well. Um, that contrast between Gore, you know, we'll get to it in the origin story, of course. Yeah. yeah. But like his change um, from his, you know, origin is such a magnificent one that can lead like one of two ways. And I, yeah, perfect. I love that, those so. two, those two panels when he, Oh, when he does change, I can't wait to get to him because they're my favorite <laughs> yeah. in the entire story. Okay, sorry, yeah. we're on issue Back one. Issue we're one. Yeah. About issue <laughs> so maybe that maybe that's really the way we should go with this because Gore Gore is. I, both of you said it so well, and I just want to add in this this thing like hearing Jason Aaron talk about his uh, spiritual heritage and now where he's landed when it comes to matters of, of faith is very interesting because it's really hard to read this and not feel like he put himself in this, that he put parts of himself in the dialogue, whether it's on Thor's side or whether it's on Gore's side. The, the, the thing I want to add to what Curtis just said there was that he doesn't believe that, that gods don't exist. He just believes that gods aren't good. He, he does not believe that gods can can be good because and well like like we just said we'll look at this in his origin issue he was never given a reason to think they were good right he was never given a reason which is um, a very honest and raw thing you know like i absolutely. personally i'm not a religious person and to me a big aspect stems uh, aspect stems from that whole like you know what what how can we have so much evil and like this still go on um, but oddly enough, and this is going to stray a little bit, 
I had uh, my boss. Um, I don't even know if I should. Uh, eh, no one's gonna listen to this. That from my community, <laughs> but at work, um, they're they're you know my uh, the people that own the company are kind of religious and everything, and they had you know, one of their daughters had messed up her ankle and it wasn't healing right and it wasn't doing well. And they just got it checked by a doctor a few days ago. And it was, they were just like, it's just not healing right. Well, we don't know what's wrong. And then they went to, I think, I don't know if they're Baptist or what, what religion they really are. Maybe they're even Christian. I'm not too sure the way they talk about it. And I've never directly asked, um, but they're saying that the, whatever, uh, preacher, like, you know, a healing preacher, you know, did his thing and he talked to her and he like healed her. And then all of a sudden the next day, she's like, saying that it doesn't hurt anymore and she's able to walk and she could go up and down stairs. And it's one of those things. It's just like, I've never witnessed something to like make you believe, but like people, and that's where I stand on it. But then people have these experiences, which I find questionable, but they do believe. So those little miracles that you see them pray to and to ask for, you know, uh, supposedly this girl medical doctor said, no, it's not healing. Right. But then you have a healing priest that supposedly healed it and it's like it's that wonder of religion of just like okay i mean i don't know everything but i i read tarot cards but i mean i don't believe in like <laughs> a god in that sense um to each their own in that in that way you know and yeah. i just find that kind of fascinating how that can happen in such a bizarre way where it's like i don't really buy it but hey if you guys say it happened i guess it happened but yeah the i mean Curtis, I, and, and both, like all of us, all of us have some relation to this topic. And one of the reasons why I, I quite frankly, didn't bring it up beforehand was because all of us coming at it from our own perspectives makes this so much more intriguing. Um, it's a book to debate about, you know, oh, that's, it, that's, yeah. that's the cool part about it. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard to find something with a topic where it's like, I mean, the different experiences take you down different paths, you know, and it is a debatable thing. Yeah. Curse, is there anything you want to add in there? Like at, at this point before we like, maybe because we're, what we're doing right now is we're exploring a theme of the book. And I feel like the, I feel like maybe you guys can add into this. I feel like the theme of this book is more important than the actual narrative of the book. Like Gore is, Gore is a cool villain, but Gore is an opportunity to talk about topics that comics sometimes don't let you have the room to talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a very sensitive subject because uh, religion itself is very personal to people. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's why they say it, there's two things you don't talk about in pleasant company. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics because somebody will get hurt. Yes. You yeah. know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, especially today, everybody's, everybody's very sensitive about those two things uh, nowadays. Now the, I mean, they always have been. Anyway, uh, the the theme here is flat out a religious debate. You know, yeah. it, it's it's people saying, um, I, I cried for help and no God came to me, therefore they're all bad versus a God who's, you know, and, and Thor does want to be good. But, uh, you know, when you look at King Thor, he's, he, there's, he, there's a reason he can't help anybody. He's, he's busy doing King Thor things yeah. Uh, and, you know, fighting in Valhalla and all that, and he can't help anybody. So there's, he's, he's not all powerful. He wants to help, but he can't. Um, or, or then you have um, young Thor who uh, he is a God. He's not, you know, he's not Thor that we all know. He's not the, you know, hammer Thor. He's, he's very um, brash and, and young and things like that. And he helps, 
but he helps because he's getting things because of it. He helps because he can sleep with all the girls in the village and yeah. he can drink all their meat and eat all their food. He is uh, the 80s is like, garage band Thor. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. He's, yeah, he's the wizard on the mountaintop Thor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> On the side of the oh, that's awesome. Um, he he's he is he is able to help, but yeah. he's doing as much damage as what you know. Like he says specifically in this issue, uh, there was a frost giant that ate a bunch of their goats and and killed a bunch of their farmers and stuff. Uh, then I killed the frost giant, and uh, I ate all their food, and then I drank all their all their beer, and then I I slept with all their girls. Yes. And it's like, did you help them? You're not. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and uh the so going going back into the narrative because i'm sure we will re we will rehash this theme throughout this amazing book as we should by the way um comics uh those who believe uh comics are are only children's books uh and they're just kind of pulpy you know stories a lot of them are this one is not though um no this one is you here's the thing for you to enjoy this comic you have to engage yeah like if you don't engage this don't read it um like if you want some some preconceptions you have to be uh challenged a little bit if you want jason to ask you questions that maybe you don't even know you want to ask uh don't read this because it will it will get uncomfortable um but i believe in that discomfort we discover some some of the greatness that comics can be um because when we jump back into the story thor goes to indigar and this girl is wondering why it's not raining and thor wonders well don't you have gods and uh they're like "Uh, not really and thor goes to their their great hall the gods of this of this planet and finds all of them murdered Mm -hmm. i mean they are i'll throw this up in our in our chat here but there's a panel where three of them are hanging on meat hooks from the ceiling like when we say this this story is called the god butcher gore isn't just killing gods he is dismantling them he is tearing them apart he is uh he's making a spectacle of it yeah it's it's a heavy metal album cover this this one splash page (laughs) we will put up on our social media i'm sure all three of us will (laughs) like yeah it's so good Uh, the the thing about this this entire story is it is the most heavy metal story that thor has ever had and thor is probably the most heavy metal like superhero i agree but like this is this is nuts man it's so good because it's just like if you could think of you know a, a heavy metal band writing a a comic book it'd be you know you've got this norse viking versus a god butcher no you're totally right it is so it's just heavy metal you know and you kind of continuing that but like isad's artwork is so godlike you know and this is one of the books that really attracted to me to him it was perfect for him and it's no wonder why he's writing the eternals now like he has yeah like his yes. paintings feel holy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I would see them in like a Catholic church almost, you know? Um, his splash pages, I think there's a splash page near the end of, of this issue that is just otherworldly. Yeah. It is so good. Oh, there it is at the bottom of the screen, uh, yeah, page yeah. 21. Oh, oh my the God. The final page, Look yeah. At that. And, and oh. that, like, that final page, that gives us a an entry point to talk about King Thor. Yes. King Thor is he's the last Asgardian in Asgard. 
everybody we find out later that everybody else has been murdered and gore made thor watch yeah like when gore says at one point that because thor thor was an affront to him young thor and present day thor they chose to fight back he makes king thor suffer he makes king thor watch as the rest of asgard is torn apart and uh that he has some henchmen during this storyline called the black berserkers who are like these lizard shadowy kind of monster looking uh things and he sends them after king thor all the time mm-hmm. for 900 for years 900 years like and, and all he, you should listen to when you read these comics is like mastodon amana yes. mars and yes. the sword like those three bands just <laughs> that'll get you through this run it's it's so crazy because i mean gore is kind of his own self-fulfilling prophecy at this point he wants to kill the he wants to kill the gods because they don't help anybody then he takes a god that's willing to help people and stops him from helping people you know to torture him for 900 years so that is a good point yeah yeah. i mean there's a lot of points in this in the story where um you just like gore is not gore is not trying to redeem anything he's not trying to fix anything like no part of him um no part of him uh thinks that by doing this things will get better for everybody he's not he's not a savior he's not a savior no and very much like the anakin skywalker of this where he just like was just turned down so hard and kind of in a sense rejected and not given help when he was you know in his younger days and then he just like throws a tantrum for the rest of his life and just like just fuck shit up you know like that's really like all he decides everything has to burn yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i think i'd I'd look at him kind of like if he was in dc he'd be a red lantern you know he's just nothing but rage and it's an unending rage forever yeah and that's um it's it's pretty gnarly to think about because he's he's someone who can obviously do great things and it's not like it's not like the all black uh turned him into a rage monster he's just has he has that much right rage inside of him that when he's granted these godlike powers instead of fixing it he burns the entire thing to the ground yes yeah yeah exactly and that's the interesting point again like you could take the higher road or you could take the lower road you know what i mean you could find these gods and like like, what what are you guys doing like why aren't you helping people or he's just so built up or he's just like no you didn't do your thing i'm just gonna kill you yeah (laughs) just to to hell with you you're done (laughs) yeah man that so in the first issue we're on the first issue still oh my god no no but i just want to i just want to like tell listeners gore does not show up in the first issue Mm -hmm. he's mentioned Mm -hmm. he's referred to he's hinted at but it's in the second issue that we actually get to see him and it's in the second issue that young thor is the first to fight him and gore fights like no other being yeah he he fights uh he fights with uh with this like like um like her said he fights with this rage that's almost um it, it's it, it's unlike anything thor has fought before and i know because i'm i'm reading through the complete works of thor every single villain is cast as it's like thor's never faced anybody like this ever in his entire history and this is the greatest villain he's ever fought gore and loki are the only villains that i truly think are unlike any other and yeah and one of the reasons is the way we see gore fight in this second issue um 
this second issue, like I said, begins with young Thor and this conflict that is is brewing between Gore and the Thors throughout these separate times. This issue focuses in on young Thor a lot. And the name of this issue kind of gives you a hint as to how the fight goes. It, this issue is called Blood in the Clouds. Yeah, that's track number two on this uh, metal album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so guys, this first conflict that young Thor has with Gore, let's just like the first appearance of Gore, let's just talk about him maybe from like a design perspective because we've kind of laid out his themes and his and his mindset. What about him from a design perspective? He's got this, uh, well, uh, uh, he's using, so the all black necro sword is, it's akin to like a venom symbiote where it, it can become different implements stabbing weapons things like that and he uses it to make uh, a cloak for himself like you know he he has become death you know that sort of thing and it's such a striking design because he's a he's if you haven't if anyone hasn't seen him he's a uh he's a, a white alien with tentacles on his head like a twi'lek from star wars I was gonna say um, that, yeah but he's he's got this like long black cloak that just becomes swords and um he can he, you know he uses it he can throw like darts and things like that made of made of the all black and uh it's it's actually a, a very very cool design because he's he's so otherworldly and his his weapon the weapon that he uses is even more alien than he is like it's it's ah. like two unknowable um entities that have that have become one and it's it it reminds you it looks like he looks like death like the grim reaper but he's this absolutely alien version of it it's fantastic yeah and, i agree you know the all black if you i mean you guys can go check out silver surfer black where we talk about the origin of the all black and go how it came about and you know if you guys also get the king and black handbook that single issue that gives you the entire history of the all black up to that point how it there's a bit of a retcon for uh in the um in the in the donny kate's stuff isn't there yes uh so and this you know again there's a lot of this ties to that issue six uh origin story but you know two gods fell to a planet where gore was living on and one of the gods was null and when Gore discovered that body, part of that symbiote that was, you know, attached to Noel that Noel had created because he's the god of the symbiotes. Um, that's where the all back came from. And it kind of just like turned into this whole thing. Um, basically, like the all black is like, a, I'm going to read this off of the King Black handbook real fast. Uh, the all black is a vastly powerful anamorphous symbiote that attaches to an organic host and corrupts it. Through apparently a sentient, the symbiote has not been documented acting independently of or speaking to its host like modern symbiotes. It generally takes its form in a black-bladed weapon, so it can also project tendrils uh, to attack or manipulate objects. Or it can be shaped into one of the other objects, such as a whip. It can also generate semi-sentient uh, creatures, such as Gore's Black Berserker, or avatars of sentient beings. When completely covered by the all black, a host can survive the vacuum of space, live for a millennia without aging, and fly at interstellar speeds. When greatly enhanced by blood of by the blood of the gods, the all black can possess cosmic beings such as Galactus or Ego, the living planet. And at its most powerful, it can be engulfed by celestial bodies and potentially the entire universe. Being able to just take over Ego or take over Galactus, <laughs> that's 
that's bad, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so this is like a raw, organic form of the symbiotes we see as venom and carnage. This is part of like the first, you know, creation of them. So this is a nice, you know, Donnie did a cool retcon by pulling it all together. And Jason even said, he's like, I, when I made the all black, um, I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't think it was a symbiote. <laughs> I just, I, I just know. wanted this thing to do this and it just worked, served its purpose. So, you know, uh, and you know, this episode is a lot of back history because they're so, it's so right, dense yeah. in that sense. But, um, you know, Jason was really astonished that Donnie got one of his ideas and turned it into what he did. And that's yeah. so cool. Again, that lore behind it is what I, I really get attracted to. So I so just kind of piggybacking off that, and then we'll jump into issue three and kind of the the hall of the lost gods, uh, which Track is an three. interesting concept. Um, but before we jump to issue three, the comparison, uh, well, really the continuation of Thor's story from Jason Aaron's era into Donny Cates' era. Do you guys like having having read you know Thor comics? They feel like a as close to a seamless transition as they could be with, with two guys that are very different um, in terms of writing, but like they, they continue so many ideas into the, into the Donny Cates run. I'd love to hear you guys' opinion. I think, that. I, I think the, uh, the Jason Aaron to, to Donny Cates transition has felt a lot smoother than the Straczynski to Jason Aaron transition. Mm. Um the Straczynski stuff like that, that he started in, Oh God, when was that? 2010, maybe uh, like it was, it was good, but it wasn't until Jason Aaron actually like took over that this book really hit its stride. And then once you know, his, his run was very stop and start, obviously they kept renumbering it and things like yeah. that. Um, once they switched over to Donnie, once, once uh, Jason told the story that he wanted to tell and they switched over to Donnie, it seemed almost like seamless. Yeah. So, um, and, and Donnie's such a talented uh, writer that he was able to just take those ideas and like you said, just run with it. Just find, you know, uh, he says, yeah. oh, here's a cool weapon. What can I do to twist this and put my own spin on it? But it didn't really break anything. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a very, it's a much more seamless transition than it was like Straczynski to, to Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I know, I know, we, we bonded initially over Donnie Cates. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. Um, Donnie is such a big Jason Aaron fan. Donnie was still working at comic book shops and putting out this Thor run on the shelves uh, before he was even like a comic book writer, basically before That's he really nuts. broke in. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, again, connecting us through Donnie. Donnie is really another reason why I wanted to dive into Jason Aaron's because how much he praises uh, Jason Aaron. Yeah. But, you know, the transition, I think, is awesome. It's, it's again, talking about, uh, you know, the, the thing about being a comic book writer in general, and I think you do it with comic books more than any other medium. I study film. I, you know, do a lot of pro stuff. But with comics, you can plant an idea and you can pull that idea, like, in 10 years and be like, I'm yeah. going to explain this. When you look at some of the coolest ideas in comics nowadays – it's because Grant Morrison's a great example. Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, you know, when you look at what they do with comics, they go back. Batmite, Batmite was a stupid fucking character way back in the day from the fifth dimension. <laughs> and Grant Morrison found a way to make Bat Batmite pretty damn interesting and cool. And same thing with the Batman of Xuronaut. Pulling an old idea and fleshing it out and seeing what you could do with that, that one brief 
thing, that's yeah. what makes comic books. That's what makes continuity, and that's what's what it's makes lore and history. So the fact that Donnie acknowledges that and did that with this into his run, that's just great comic book writing in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it adds it adds to the it adds to the complexity of these books because like. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for the rabbit trail. Um, in later on in this Jason, uh, in this Jason Aaron run, we get a hint of what is happening to Jane Foster before she becomes Thor. Oh yeah. And then when that story happens, what a, what a, what a casual fan will say, or maybe a lapsed fan will say is, Oh, they're just going for agenda comics and they're just, you know, they're just trying to, switch things up I'm like okay then you didn't read the rest of jason aaron's run well it's, it's normally the people that don't read it that will that will judge first and judge loudest yes um, yeah yeah you know, i'll leave yeah, that I, I i just a brief like two sentence tangent on that i think <laughs> uh the, the way jason did it with jane foster it was almost one of those things where you're just like okay just seeing it makes sense i think maybe this is just my own personal side of it, but when they try to like fully replace the character with someone else that, and then still trying to make the same kind of stories, like if you're going to take away Steve Rogers, but still give us Steve Rogers stories and make us accept this new captain America, that's okay. where I, I draw the line on that. It's like, no, give them their own personality, their own villains, yeah. their own, give them, you know, if you're going to do it, Batman Beyond's a perfect example. Batman Beyond, of course they could, Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis could have been any ethnicity. It just happened to land that way. Um, but if they did switch ethnicities or diversify it a bit, like that approach they took with Batman Beyond was great. Um, but I've seen them do it with other characters where I feel like Ironheart, like just, they just flopped on that part. They were just like trying to, switch it around and force feed us all this new all new everything when it's like no there there needs to be a nice transition and flow to it where it makes sense um but give them yeah. you know give them the respect they deserve at the same time that was and the great thing about the great thing about this the easter eggs and the seeds that get laid in this book is that jason was able to bring them to fruition later like yes he, exactly he, he was the one he was the one charting the course the entire time mm -hmm. yeah and speaking of that we're going to jump back into our narrative because um because we love these characters everybody this 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 the tangents alone could go on for a few <laughs> hours but we're going to jump back into issue three where present day thor goes to omnipotent city How now this I? was oh, interesting so cool. thor, thor going back through um the halls of the lost the gods who who basically aren't active or they're dead and Thor is astounded that there are volumes and towers of, of books and scrolls and records of gods that don't exist. This is one thing that Jason Aaron did that nobody else did. Give, like the, the, the cosmology of the Marvel Universe drastically expands in this book. Like we had Olympians, we had Asgardians, we had, you know, scattershot gods here and there. But it's almost like every planet, every culture, every ethnicity in the Marvel universe has their own pantheons and their own gods. And Thor's kind of mind is blown. Yeah. That they've, there's so many. There's so yeah. many. Um, and they but, all hang out at this one clubhouse in Omnipotent City. <laughs> yes, it's the God Clubhouse. I love that. And uh, so the Thor 
goes throughout and he finds all these dead gods throughout the universe gods of this and gods of that like gods of everything uh when it comes to like the the the, the patron deities of the of certain aspects of cultures and uh he finally comes to a cave on midgard i believe and uh, this cave is very important uh, because it's where thor thought that he was done with this conflict and he realized he so was not uh-huh. so this this third issue I just kind of want to like the, 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 whether it's all the deities or the cave, like what were the takeaways from this issue? Cause I feel like a lot of world building was done in this issue. So the, <laughs> my bad. I was trying to like build my thought too. Both of us were like ready to go. So the, yeah. So the idea of the cave is it's, it's kind of odd to me that he, he goes to this cave. Okay. This is the cave where he fought, gore as a young as a younger thor uh and he thinks that he kills gore uh he you know he lops off his arm and, and he's the, the vikings that are with him are like oh dude that would have killed anybody don't even worry about it let's go drinking and um yeah he's like oh yeah cool must have must have been must have been dead no problem and uh then he like this they don't necessarily say it but this must have like echoed throughout eternity because when he he makes his way back there he's he's looking for clues about you know gore's whereabouts and he finds another god just mm-hmm. randomly uh in this yeah. in this cave um what was his name what was the shadrach shadrach yeah, yeah the god of pancakes yeah. and um he's he's <laughs> this this guy shadrach so good it is it's great uh this guy shadrach knew of this battle and he's like gore would never come back here and that's why i'm hiding here so like i mean thor you know he he was like i'm never thinking about this day again i he demands that the vikings that are with him never speak of this of this uh battle that he had with gore no songs no nothing like no songs nothing yet when he comes back someone else is is someone else is there hiding from gore so it's like how how did they know it i mean did did gore tell him was it just such a big encounter that like he couldn't put the kibosh on on talking about it no matter what like this this cave something happened here that was so earth shattering galaxy shattering that everyone knows about it yeah um, whether he wants them to or not yeah this was uh the luke skywalker on dagobah kind of walking into the cave to confront like his you know past and future fears and everything Mm -hmm. um but uh but dude you said it way better than i could (laughs) like it's just one of those things where it's such a you know a pinnacle moment and it's it seems so minor you know what i mean it's just so it's just good writing in the sense of like okay he's gonna approach this as a a younger thor and he's gonna fail and then he has to go see how and why he failed. But so yep. Thor now has a fear he has to confront. And that's something that we're not too used to is Thor. Donnie's fleshing that out more and more. But like, you know, seeing your heroes in fear of something and going yeah. in and being like, I need to backtrack and face this fear to un- to uncover answers. I need to face things so I can understand. So I this thing I tried to ignore, I tried to put aside, like that's a life lesson right there. You know, yeah. need to be able to carry out through those hard, dark, impossible moments. And without that, 
you're going to go searching back for clarity. And that's exactly what he's kind of doing in that sense. Yeah. The, um, we know what's another nuts thing about this third issue. We barely, we barely, if at all, see Gore. We just mm-hmm. see it's kind of back to the issue one. We see what Gore, what his path of destruction looks like. Yes. Yeah. And he is again. If you have not read uh, God Butcher, um, I I would strongly recommend go read it. Even though we're talking about it and breaking it down, like we're scratching the surface on this story. It's, it's that good of a story and we're scratching on the surface. This third issue, you really catch this glimpse of his ruthlessness. The, the fear, the fear of gore is akin to what some people say, like the putting the fear of God into somebody. Yeah. Yeah. He's putting the fear of him into the mind of gods, which is nuts. Like what do so many of these gods fear? they fear the butcher yeah that's exactly what they fear again more like it's just a more metal song (laughs) yeah yeah i gotta i gotta see what the what the actual uh issue title was for (laughs) issue three to see if it continues the what the the title of issue three is hall of the hall hall of the lost yeah dude that's the intro that's the intro to the next uh Oh, yeah. man. It's the instrumental before the next track. That is yeah, a Blind yeah. Guardian song if I ever heard one. Like <laughs> Straight up. Straight up. Moving on to uh, issue four. This is, up until now, we really haven't seen a lot of King Thor. King Thor has kind of popped in here and there, but they're laying the foundation. Jason's, Aaron, uh, he's laying the foundation with young Thor and present Thor. The fourth issue opens up with, uh, with King Thor. And that, here's where we learn that Gore is essentially toying with him that he's going to make him wait he's going to make him be the last one and we'll learn about his master plan uh, in the conclusion in the in the next part of, of this uh breakdown but every day king thor goes out to fight and every at the end of every day the black berserkers bring him back to the throne room make him sit in the chair and do it all over again the next yeah. day yeah they will never kill him he begs for thor begging for death Please yeah. just kill me now. And they're like, no, bro. See you tomorrow. Honestly, this cover is one of my favorite covers. That Kirby oh, yeah. throne that he's sitting on. Yes. Uh, missing the arm that he has to attach, you know, like holding um, the all sword. Damn. It's just, that's just epic. That armor. I don't know. Yeah. King Thor just blows my mind in terms of like, holy crap. How did we wind up here? Type of thing. Like, I want to see the fights. I want to see the Ragnarok battle before this. And yeah. see him get torn up. And dude, they're carrying him like that's a religious pose right there. The way yep. he's on his right. back, arms right. open, you know, being carried across by, by like these demons practically. You know, um, like ah, if, it's just epic. If that was a Renaissance statue, yeah, I wouldn't even bat an eye. Uh, yeah, like, wouldn't doubt it. Like it. You know, um, <laughs> Indiana Jones style. It belongs in a museum. It belongs in <laughs> yeah. a museum. So, uh, you know, King Thor is, is set to this, you know, he's like a hamster on a wheel, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're going to make him fight the same battle. And that's, that's part of, that's part of Gore's ruthlessness that he, he not just like, he doesn't kill every God. Some of them, he tells Thor, you're going to be last. Mm-hmm. Like you will watch everything else and then you'll, you'll, you'll get to die. And at this point, Gore's not done. His plan hasn't been fully realized. 
and uh, they present day Thor goes goes with Shadrach back to the library in the uh, in the halls of Omnipotent City, and. Uh, the Black Berserkers are there, and he has a fight with them throughout this issue, uh, where they're trying to—they're trying to get rid of the records. To where they're trying to find the records of Kronux, which is a uh, a pantheon of gods that control or they adjust time. So Gore is trying to, you know, get a, a level of time traveling power so that he can do other parts of his master plan. Um, but they have this cool fight in the library area. And that's kind of the, the major action beat of, of this issue. Um, but then this torture scene, there's oh, a torture this. scene. It's and so I really, cool. there's so much packed into this uh, scene, but Gore is torturing the youngest version of Thor. And he's like, I've tortured gods of torture. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have tortured, I have tortured so many gods and uh, you know he's almost like, how long are you gonna last, man? Yeah. And, you know, Thor lasts the longest. But um, that scene, guys, I feel like is a is a very good glimpse into Gore's just despicableness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just kind of hear your thoughts about this uh, this aspect of issue four. So this this scene where he's torturing Thor, he's got him hung up from the he's got him hung up with uh, like the the chains, the black chains that have come out of his out of the all black. And you see him like, yeah, he's perched on this rock and he's lanky and otherworldly and things like that. And like, you can just see that, that like why they picked Christian Bale for that, you know, yeah. this, this whole scene, like he's, this is, he's doing his villain monologue and things like that. And he's, you, you, you just, you can hear Christian Bale's big boy voice, you know, I have tortured gods of torture, you know, like, yeah, Batman you can hear christian bale doing this you can see this is what he should have saved the the batman voice for (laughs) yeah yeah right (laughs) but uh yeah i'm kind of hoping he goes with a welsh accent because that that would be a lot of fun anyway uh yeah just don't you have to growl man it's fine um (laughs) so i i I see why they cast him because he's he's gonna throw himself into this role but like this scene of specifically of him perched on the on the rock looking otherworldly taunting young thor and and he knows at, at this point like he knows that thor doesn't die here yeah you know so like he's he knows that he can just sit here and toy with him you know oh how long are you gonna last like he knows how long Thor's going to last he's gonna last longer than anyone else so it's the, uh it's a lot of fun and then again this is in the cave isn't it yeah. yes it is yeah. uh the 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 thing that gore says to thor and um, I just want to, I want to read it and then maybe we, maybe there's parts, you know, each of us wants to break down. Awesome. But this is what Gore says at the end of this torture scene. He says, I so rarely get to take my time anymore. There are so many gods in need of attention. After all, there was an immortal on a world long ago who dared to ask me if I was God myself. Now with him, I indeed took my time. All gods have their breaking points. It took me nine days to find his, and his flesh was made of stone. I am hopeful that you can keep me entertained for at least half as long. Yeah. I mean, hardcore. Like, he's just Hard, doing yeah. this purely out of like pleasure. Like he has no, uh, and it's just, this is just purely like, this is just what I do. Like this is my day to day. Um, I mean, I'm just going to hunt you guys down and kill you. Like, 
Yeah. It doesn't matter you, how long it takes. This is my at this, project. At this point, it's not even it's not even a a, a mission that he's on anymore. There's yeah. a sadistic glee in this. Yes, exactly. Like which is why he's not a murderer. He's a butcher. Yeah. Like yes, uh, true. That's a great, excellent point. This isn't just like you know a serial killer type of thing. This is this is just natural s- to him at this point. Systematic. Yeah. Like, it's what yeah. he's doing. He, he he enjoys this which which is so ridiculous like i mean he is he is uh in certain ways he's a serial murderer um but like he he doesn't want this to be over for some of them like he wants to keep some of them around as long as he's satisfied with the amount of pain they're in yeah yeah like if thor is satisfied if, if if thor's pain and his agony brings gore satisfaction or gratification he's mm-hmm. gonna keep he's gonna keep doing it which is why he's probably doing what he's doing to king thor he's still he's still gratified by it and i think a lot of that could be a juxtaposition with um gore being in pain and watching his mom die watching his wife die watching his you know his children die yeah you know and and having this thought of like oh god are you like are you getting off on this like mm-hmm. are you enjoying this and now when he turns the table on other gods he's like i'm gonna do this as long as i enjoy it yeah yeah that's it's, a, it's a power play a lot of a lot of uh serial killers will say things like oh i enjoyed the power i did it for the power and like that's what he's doing yeah yeah you know yeah he, he loves he loves the idea that he a mortal a mere mortal who was cursed by the gods forsaken by them he can he can have that power over them and toy with them like they toyed with him yeah mm-hmm yeah the uh the we go to we go to the planet of chronux which on on chronux these priests um they can they have some some ability over time and to travel through time and and thor uh the present day thor he was unable to um he was unable to stop all the black berserkers but the black berserkers gave gore the whereabouts of chronux so that gore could go through time now and the scene the scene at the pool is unnerving and this is where i feel like we need to talk about isad ribic's artwork maybe more in depth um because what gore does and i'm almost like cringing trying to say it um he murders uh and dismembers all of these priests and he fills the pool with their blood and they say and, they say it only takes a couple of drops for them to manipulate time. Yep. And he kills enough of them to fill the entire pool. It looks it's a huge a giant round pool. It's yeah. got to be I mean we don't know how deep it is obviously, but he's killed he's a human a human person only has how many pints of blood in them. Like this this is a pool. This is a swimming yeah. pool full <laughs> yes. of blood. Yes. It is gnarly. <laughs> that that could also be one of the tracks on this metal album <laughs> yeah yeah honestly yeah this is this gives me like lazarus pit vibes but it's like mm-hmm. this is the lazarus pit turned up to like 20 man this is this is an insane capability and an insane power to like withhold you know in a villain's hands and this isn't even like a king the conqueror type of time manipulation you know this isn't your standard yeah time travel story this is purely like i'm only going to use this to like go fuck up more shit 
and specifically these things and do then, more murders yeah, yeah i'm just trying to try to like get more gods for me to just kill that's the whole purpose why that, that's it a singular yeah. purpose like yeah like he doesn't want to just kill all the gods that are living right now he wants to go back and kill every god that has ever lived so all those gods that had died before him he wants to go back and kill them too yeah like and yeah. and and into perpetuity into the forever yeah. all gods that out, have ever existed we find out what he goes back for and why that's important to the second half of this story um but that that's for um that's for a, a later a later time but just the the you just as you read this book like again we get one like one out outside of the world of thor we get one appearance by a different marvel character iron man shows up for a few panels oh yeah. that's right yeah yeah but this comic is not standard marvel fare well it is not it is not um it's not normal it's just not normal um and you feel you feel the just with Isad's art, it it feels grand. It feels mythological in the way that it's put together and it's executed. Not not often do Thor comics themselves, the the actual books, feel like mythical tales. Exactly. These, exactly. these feel like mythical tales that are being told, um, like an ancient fictional history. Um, but yeah, the the. It, that goes back to like what got me into the book too was that i wanted a mythological take on thor something that's going to feel like i was reading neil gaiman's norse mythology and if i was playing god of war just kind of using these as characters and um, playing with them in a totally different way where you felt you know like you felt like it was a grand this is the definitive one and you know we're we're four issues in we're on issue five now and that's that's how that's, I mean you're already there like you you kind of yeah. hit it out of the park at the start of your run, and I'm I, you know again I'm curious about where the rest of his run takes us because I haven't read it all, but yeah. by the time you hit issue five, how like how much more epic can you get? Like it's just climaxing still. We're still building up. We have some backstory. This is it's kind of weird because you know in a comic book arc issue one is probably act one and then the you know issue five or six is typically act three and for yeah. sure that's what's happening here but when you look at it as a connected arc to god bomb uh this is really like we're entering act two at this point this is like the major turning point yeah i completely agree um so so the fifth issue is uh you know continuing the metal theme it's entitled dream of a godless age mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a really like that's a that's that's a chill uh, yeah. instrumental track yeah near the end it's not the hot single but it's <laughs> yeah. there and it, it's it's part of part of the masterpiece um at the beginning of this uh issue we go back to the void which is a um which is i believe he refers to it as it's it's the beginning he goes back to the beginning oh, billions of years ago uh -huh. and the whole purpose of gore going back to this time is to take uh because <laughs> he's not borrowing it uh, he's taking the heart of an elder god yeah and it's, yeah and it's it's that 
that allows him to power what we will find in a few uh, more issues is the God bomb. Mm -hmm. Now, the heart of the elder God is the thing that makes the bomb work. It's the thing that makes, uh, you know, all of time, both past, present, and future gods susceptible to the God bomb because elder gods, uh, basically all gods came from the elder gods. Yeah. So it's, that's, it's almost like a, a hereditary, uh, like chain reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, so if he can, if he has this heart of the elder God, all gods, all time, all universes, they're all susceptible. And now he has it. It's like a lineage thing. It's like part of your blood, you know, like, you know, it's tracing. like um, the new, the new James Bond movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's like a um, nanobots or whatever that will attack a certain gene strain or something like that. Uh -huh. So if you're, if you're programmed to be attacked by the nanobots, then it's you and everyone that you touch in your family lineage will just die on down the line so this is this is basically that yeah it's uh it's such an epic way to put it and it's you know, it's kind of tracing back like you know if all of us came from adam you know we're all lineages from adam and all women come from a lineage of eve and everything you know like yep. that's that's essentially that idea but a grander scale where did all yeah. the gods come from you know if we came from adam and eve then bam this is where we're going to trail that back to and it's uh what a crazy concept yeah. his goal is to commit and he says it i believe he says it in this issue his goal is to commit complete deicide yeah yes yes which yes. is also uh, continues with that metal theme <laughs> yeah deicide. yeah yeah uh, you know uh, h5 real fast i think that's yeah, the yeah, first yeah. time we see him in that like crazy armor um, yeah 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 why don't you talk a, a little bit more to that brandon because the armor is really cool it's again, you're just, we're seeing uh, Thor in various outfits. Um, but if you pay attention to Gore and his transitions and his how the all black is taking over his body and how he's utilizing it, you know, first it's just kind of like uh, a robe and just a cloak, you know, Batman style, just a hood and a, a cape. And look at this. This is like some Elric style, like insane armor. Um, Man. Uh, it, uh, I, I think even in God Bomb, we see him with a helmet or something, if I'm not too mistaken. But the way it's crafted, and it's look at the inking on it. That's not, yes. there's no definition. There's no like clear, shining, medieval kind of feel, fantasy feel. It's just a shape. It's just like a black, you, you can't see in it. It's so dark. It is literally all black, like the, the, where it derives the, from. Yeah, the best, the best part of that is it's, it's not. So it's not colored by computer. So it's not like a smooth black over it. Oh, what yeah. it is, what, what it is, is a bunch of scratches. So you've got patches where it looks like he, you know, when you color things in with a marker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it's not all even. So you can, you kind of get this feeling that it's like, it's shifting. moving on its yes. own, shifting underneath him. Yes. Yeah. And, and they do a lot of other scenes like, when King Thor is consumed by by the the Black Berserkers, it's that same texture and it's that same style. Yeah. So it's, it's very it's very moving and it's very granular. Uh, I mean, it's honestly we talked about how this comic is not normal. That's not normal. No. Like you look at the contrast between Gore's skin and the armor. Yeah. That alone yeah. just tells you like how different and unique it is and how 
like what you're saying, it's not normal in the sense of that you don't see inking like that or, you know, painting like that in standard comics. Like even if you look at Alex Ross and stuff like that, that is a totally, he's adding more texture to the comic by doing that. So speaking of, speaking of the story and the narrative of this uh, one, we, we have a few kind of uh, scenes of conflict directly with Gore that finish out the butcher storyline. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to go through those real quick and we're going to give our final thoughts on issue five. And then we're actually going to cut the conversation here and pick up with God bomb in its own, its own part, because God bomb takes this story and it magnifies it. Yes. So, Ooh. We want to keep it kind of centralized here on Gore uh, and his final conflicts with the with the Thors in this issue. Young Thor is fighting uh, alongside with the Vikings. He's fighting Thor, uh, Gore in the cave. And that fight ends with uh, Thor getting a, a big like swing of Yarnbjorn, the axe, and he cuts off Gore's arm, which is insane. Like these Vikings are giving it their all and uh and they they think they've won but thor knows they haven't like that gore is a next level kind of foe Uh so that that fight there guys like just kind of some quick hitters on that one it what did you come away with that the younger thor's conflict with gore in the cave uh thinking as you were reading this you know i it kind of goes back to what i was saying before is that gore did i mean like gore thor did this like kind of final slash in the cave he got the one good hit in the the killing blow as he kind of feels the arm gets chopped off you know gore is weakened he has hurt the person but thor essentially kind of runs away from the battle he takes the small victory over the like the winning the war you know he's taking this battle and he's I feel like he's regretting it. He feels like because he walked away from something that he should have finished a long time ago, it's come to haunt him. And yeah. it's one of those like kind of thematic things where it's just like you you may be getting tortured or hurt or like beat up by this aspect. And just because you won one battle doesn't mean that it's over. Like you need to take care of what you need to take care of. And it's kind of like a weird metaphor in that sense. But it's interesting how you can leave something open and it'll haunt you for the rest of your life. Well, that's the, that's the hubris of the young Thor, isn't it? That we were talking about, like, he's like, Oh, I got him. I got it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I got him. I'm worthy. It's cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the, the juxtaposition of the young Thor with the present day Thor, the present day Thor, uh, he, he meets Gore on Kronux and, Gore is going to make him going to make him watch, you know, he's now got the heart of the elder God that he needs to, you know, put the finishing touches on the God bomb and Thor just goes complete beast mode on all the black berserkers. He's going to take out Gore because Gore is, you know, going to do some more of this time jumping. And uh, he, he finds himself in the future. President Thor is now in the future. He thinks he's followed Gore and he's going to go fight Gore. And what he finds is not Gore. He finds King Thor. And they meet face to face. Now, when these two characters finally meet, what what are the takeaways that you guys had as this story kind of the story kind of finalizes itself with two of the Thors now meeting? and having this shared experience of having fought gore at different times. So I, I think that this was 
a, a bit of a masterstroke by Gore of introducing him to his older self after he's tortured himself. He's saying, like, I don't, I don't know if maybe he meant or, or meant for Thor to end up in the future at that exact point, or if it was just because he was, he was, you know, far enough behind him that the time had shifted or whatever. Um, but I think it was, it was probably like a, a psychic battle that he's having with him, trying to, trying to. So it's a psyop, basically. Like, look what I've done to you. Yeah. Look at how, like, oh, this is this nice. is you with the Odin Force or the Thor Force, as you're calling it now and i'm still over you like that's that's kind of what i picked up from it like he put him he put yeah. him there specifically and was like i still own you that's a great that dude that's a magnificent point um to me wow. i thought it was because thor was going in afterwards time had passed because that's the way that pool works you know um but you're right that is a much deeper probably more incentive way to like fuck you thor you know what i mean like i still i still yeah. win no matter what time period it is i'm still going to get away with it um dude yeah. yeah i mean it could have it could have been like like a uh star trek you know 2009 sort of thing where it's like if they come through the wormhole at different times they end up in different yeah. places uh -huh. but like i really i it seems like he controls that that time pool now yeah. you know so i, yeah, I thought he has that he, to. I, he, has I thought to that he put him there specifically just to mess with him i i told i buy that so much more um uh, because yeah, he's going down accepted. yeah yeah <laughs> it uh it's one of those things because if Gore is going back to get all these other gods, he has to know how to control the time fluctuations. Yeah. So, pur purposely trying to break Thor, like, I mean, I don't think he realizes that he's giving Thor more ammo to fight him later on. He's probably like over cocky and overconfident in that. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. You know? His carry like, stopped at this killing. point. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, I'm invincible. Like, I've gone millennia with killing gods. And this, you're just, I'm playing with you. Like, because you keep me entertained. So listeners, in case you're wondering, uh, Professor Spears's office hours will be posted and you can <laughs> yeah. wait till you hear me break down a wrestling match like this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He, talk about I got two guys on, on, on this show right now who are phenomenal writers. So, well, maybe we can show off some of your writing chops later uh, on, on our cool. feeds. But the the issue ends with uh, young thor uh being told this revelation where he says he comes through the time stream and he says the god butcher where is he i was right behind him and alluding to what curtis just broke down uh king thor says right behind him you're even dumber than i remember you yeah <laughs> you appeared in the exact same spot he did i'll give you that but you're a little bit late he's been here for 900 years and and that's when present day Thor kind of realizes like, oh no, like I've stepped into something completely, completely different than what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was just going to be like a, a wham, bam fight. Like I've always done, but no, th this guy is again, proving that he's different. He's completely different from, you know, all the other villains I've ever faced. Um, guys, final thoughts on the initial five issues of God Butcher uh, of God of Thunder, this this God Butcher storyline, and then um, we'll, we'll break here. Final thought is, yes, yeah, all right, right, yeah, it's one of those. It's pretty like, good. It's okay. <laughs> what I'm so curious about is like, I mean, we we kind of know what's going to happen in the next volume because we've read it, but like, what an excellent setup to keep readers buying the next month. Yeah, like it's one of those things where. 
And when you look at how this arc is broken up, we were saying it's 11 issues, you know, like in total, the storyline. But what a way to create a five-issue arc and then do like a middle issue and then another five-issue arc. Yeah, yeah, that middle issue. Because at this point, you're like, who is this guy? Yeah, here it is, issue six. You can find out exactly who he is. So much. And you're already so intrigued by this character. And so like, whoa, this is out of nowhere. Like, how how do we not know some of this? How did we not remember it? And so much of that gets answered in the next volume. But yeah. it's it's definitely you don't want to miss that, you know. And I, it sucks because I only ever read up to issue six until we did these episodes. Oh, uh, yeah, God, it's good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a reason he was on this book for like eight years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just you know, almost a decade of Jason Aaron writing Thor, and and again, like we said at the top, it's all one story, like. Yeah if you if you and of course if you, you know, just like if you were to read a book if you open the book to the middle part you read one chapter and you're like well that wasn't a very good book yeah you yeah never do that you would yeah. never do that but if you begin like we're going to do on the show this year if you begin at issue one of god of thunder and you end all the way through yeah, all the way through so many different stories but you know really the war of the realms is where all this culminates if you read it through we're going to see this grand tapestry of Jason Aaron writing a, a, a truly um, a tome, a tome of epic stories um, that, yeah, span almost a decade. It's nuts. Yeah. But there's there's truly there's there's a few comic runs where you get one writer that just picks a character and makes that character their own. Ooh. You know, uh, Jeff Johns did it with the Green Lantern, you know, and yeah. um, uh I'm trying to think of uh, some other people um uh, the fantastic forerun hickman's fantastic forerun mm, yeah know? look at like garth ennis's punisher and Steve exactly yeah. exactly this is this is top tier stuff there yeah. there are very few stories that you can say like this character this story you know or well, this character this run and this is the one jason aaron's run is the run for thor just like Donnie's Venom run. I'm sorry, guys. Venom comics kind of suck. Uh, <laughs> cool looking character. He's very nostalgic. But uh, Donnie's run, that's the first time we actually got like a character out of Venom. And it's like, yeah, oh, this, this is dope. Yeah. This is just like Thor. Like I needed to find a run to be like how I want to like Thor. I know how badass he is. I know how epic yeah. and proportion he should be. This is, here you go. You know, after like whatever, you know, 80 years, we crack the code and it just takes that, you know? And, and, and for, for more nostalgic fans, like maybe, maybe, maybe your run of Thor is Simonson's run of Thor. Simonson's run of Thor oh, I've heard. is awesome. And it's, and the thing is, it's constructed very similarly to how Jason Aaron did his run where, uh, I mean, the first Actually, I just realized this and I can't believe it. I've had a Thor podcast since June and I just realized this. The first, if you take the first 12 or so issues of Simonson's run, it is a complete breadcrumb trail of the Searcher saga. Mm -hmm. And at the end of every issue of Simonson's run, you get this illusion to Surtur coming and trying to destroy Asgard. Huh. And then it ends in this kick-ass fight between, you know, uh, Thor, Odin, and Loki versus Surtur. It is a masterwork. That's what the first 11 issues of Jason Aaron's God of Thunder is. It's a masterwork. Huh. 
It is a master story where, uh, like, like Brandon said, like, this is Thor. I mean, Curtis said this, this is, this is our generation's version of the Simonson run. Yes. So if you're an older fan, if you're an older fan and you're like, well, I don't really know if I want to engage with this. If you like, if you like the form of storytelling that Simonson had with his run in the eighties, you will get that same epic vibe out of the first 11 issues of God of Thunder. Uh, yeah. Easily. I can't wait to read that. I can't wait to dive into that then. And, uh, and, and then you get the added plus of uh, beta Ray bill. So yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But, <laughs> gentlemen, we are going to wrap up this part of our Jason Aaron retrospective. This has been God butcher, a very important story. If you're going to go see love and thunder this summer, which you definitely should, this story is essential. Yes. Essential reading before you go and see that. You will and this not... is a this is a great primer for people. This yeah. This is a great primer. This is yeah. one of those comics that like, oh, you don't think Thor is a cool character cuz you know, blonde pretty boy. This is the book you hand new readers to be like, "Hey, yep. read a Thor comic, you know?" Yeah. If you are a if you're a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan and you know nothing about the next movie that's coming, there are, you know, I obviously we'll recommend some Jane Foster Thor comics as well, but this would be the one if I could, if I could afford to give this to every fan, I would give them this story. And so uh, that is going to do it for our God butcher retrospective. Next time the guys are going to join us for the conclusion of Thor's epic battle with gore in God bomb. So it's 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 the it's the side the side the b side of this metal album we're building that is going to do it for the show today everybody i hope you enjoyed the first part of our jason aaron retrospective that will run through the first half of this year leading up to the thor love and thunder film want to thank curtis and brandon for stopping by they're always just phenomenal to hang out with and chat about thor with they're going to be coming back for part two of our chat where we're going to look at the continuation of gore's story we're actually going to look at his origin on the next part of our jason aaron retrospective so we hope that you will join us for that episode when it comes out in just a few weeks until then one recommendation for today just one thing i want you to do is share this episode with a friend if you know somebody that really enjoys the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This would be a great episode for you to share with them because they're probably going to go see the Thor film when it comes out this summer. And they're going to want to know who this Gore the God Butcher guy is. That This villain is so well known amongst comic book fans, but maybe you know a movie fan that doesn't know this character, isn't really familiar with his place in Thor's history. So this would be a great episode to just, you know, click the the share on this episode and and text it to a friend, message it to a friend. They would certainly uh, enjoy this episode as it prepares them for the movie. So glad you joined us for this episode today. Glad that you journeyed aboard the Bifrost with us. Next week, we've got another great episode in mind for you. We've got some other guests coming on to talk about another great portion of Thor's history and his world. So we hope to see you then aboard the Rainbow Bridge. Until then, I encourage you, dear listeners, friends of the Bifrost, to stay worthy.